XY Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Okay, let's get started here. So my, my interest in putting this session together actually came out of our June executive roundtable we hosted in Dallas and there was a great deal of interest around the chief strategy officer position. The reason, and we, what we did is we actually created a, one of the roundtable topics around the CSO position. And that was because of several conversations I'd had with just a few CSOs over the past year where they were saying, hey, what kind of resource do you have for us? We, we, you know, we don't really hardly know anybody or some, we don't know anybody in this industry that has this title. And so that really piqued my interest. So we, we created this roundtable topic in Dallas, and it ended up being one of the most uh, attended tables during that session. So we're going to continue that. And, and my interest is actually creating a cohort of CSOs that we would meet next year, and kind of like what we do with our CEO roundtable. And we would go off-site and really study and talk about this this position. And I say it's you know, we're going to talk about the chief strategy officer position and other emerging roles, but, but I would say it's almost just how a firm emerges and evolves in some of the C-suite positions. So here's what we're going to talk about today. First of all, an overview of just the organizational organization and governance. I think it's important to really start there to set a context because I, I, in this business, Sometimes our, our leadership teams evolve just around the strengths that we've got at the table, and we don't really think so much about what we need to develop to like really be an actual chief operating officer or an actual chief marketing officer. So I wanted just to zoom out and talk about organizational and governance and how the board interacts with the C-suite and kind of how that chemistry is so very important. The C-suite evolution, I'm just going to run through some of the typical titles and job descriptions we have a lot of clients that ask us, do you have a standard job description for a COO? And we do. We have these things drafted, and, and we provide those things, and I think it's really helpful. But, but also, just kind of going back to what I was saying, is that sometimes 
we, we build these things or the cart gets before the horse and we don't really think about, okay, this person has this title, but what really does that need to be now and what does it have to be in the future? And then we'll talk about the role of CSO, but I really wanted this to be more of a round table. You know, I'm going to have some, some content up here, but I do want to hear from you because I think building our leadership teams, especially right now when the firm is so busy, it's really, really important that we've got it dialed in right and that, that we're efficient at our level in the leadership team so we can really give the organization the resources they need to be streamlined. Um, and that's a big challenge right now. Just some emerging trends. I actually pulled a report from Deloitte that just, I just want to pull a few things out of. And, and then again, just kind of a roundtable discussion around that. So just recognizing the, the typical AEC org chart, and, and many of us in this room that get into this business start at the bottom, you know, you're, whether you're an engineer, architect, surveyor, whatever your position is, and, and we grow through the organization, and then we're put into a position where we're managing people, you know, then we're in the president CEO position, and then maybe, uh, you know, eventually uh, on the board of directors. You know, when I'm going into to firms and talking to them, and we're talking especially when we're talking to owners uh, and those who are aspiring to be principals or leaders in the organization, you know, we really caution people to not look at this as an org chart that you got to climb all the way to the top, and, and that not everybody needs to be an owner in a company, right, and own part of a business. And, and I think that's one thing that people really got to understand, that you have to have a risk tolerance. And, and I'm not talking about organizations like ESOPs where everybody's an owner. I'm talking about organizations that are more closely held, and you're thinking about, okay, we've got five partners who are going to be the next two or three you really got to think about what it means to be an owner and then also what it means to be on the board. Today, we'll talk more in the context of what it means to have a C-suite title. Because again, those are one of those things that people, you know, as, if they're in the industry long enough, they're like, well, now, well, I've been a director of marketing for the last 15 years. Now I need to be a chief marketing officer. Like, well, well wait a second. Those are, wait, those are two different job descriptions. And so I think it's important for us to, to educate the organization as to what the organizational chart looks like, what your path can be. It doesn't always have to go all the way to that top box. And, and then also for them to understand how these groups have to work together. We'll focus today just right here at the very, very top. So I just want to take a quick look at the board of directors because I serve on several boards as an external advisor and it is really so important that your board has a good chemistry. And there, there's huge differences in this, in this industry as to how functional the boards are. You know, and then we get questions like, well, when should you have a board? Well, it depends, you know. I mean, some, we work with some companies that have, you know, 10 people and they have a board of directors. Well, okay, that's fine, as long as that board has a very specific function and they're really focused on best practices. So just a few things, and we have a whole book on, on you know, what it means to be a best practice board of directors. We have a whole seminar we teach on it. But I just wanted to pull a few things out that I thought would be good to set the context with this chief strategy officer and really just a discussion on the C-suite. So the first one is, it's a fiduciary responsibility. And this is a very, very important thing for current and future board members to understand what fiduciary duty is and the risk that can come with that. And it's a very high calling. And, and when I think you really define what 
and you say the board of directors really has to operate at this level, then, then, and when people understand that, then maybe they can say, maybe I need to opt out of that. Maybe that I'm not like, you know, a future board member material. Uh, and, and the prestige of that position then kind of, you know, evaporates with more of a clear reality of what it actually is. Maximizing return to the invest, uh, on investment to shareholders, I mean, that's the function. And, and the board's got to operate like that. And, and the biggest thing that we see when we go into companies, and I would say small and large, I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, you would think larger companies are more sophisticated. Some of them aren't. Is a board that functions in more of an operational, has more of an operational mindset versus a very strategic, high-level mindset. So are your board meetings, you're basically talking about the same things you're talking about in the office, Right. And that's a problem, especially for boards that have, you know, primarily or all inside board members. You have to take that hat off of director of aviation or director of architectural services or interior design. You have to take that hat off at the door, walk through that door, and now you're a part of a board that is maximizing return to shareholders of a group. And you're not representing, you know, the mistreated uh, aviation team, you know. It's really a bigger mindset. Selecting, appointing, and supporting, and reviewing the performance of CEO. This is a very important bullet that I want to stress, especially in the context of this presentation when we're talking about the C-suite and what the C-suite and especially the CEO needs from a board because it can be very lonely at the top. Does anybody, can anybody relate to that? <laughs> you know? And so having a board that is there for you because as you can see in the previous org chart, I'll just go back to it, you know, that is the governing body. I mean, everybody has a boss. The CEO's boss is the board of directors and the board of directors boss is the, the, the shareholders, right? And so, so everybody does have a boss. So I think it's really important that that second bullet, it, we understand that, that a board that gets that they need to be a resource to the CEO hold him or her accountable, help them, give them the resources, and, and be there for them is, is very important and, and that you don't have a, a relationship that, you know, is um, where there's conflict there, obviously. Governing the organization by establishing broad policies and objectives. And, and this is a big one, managing the strategic plan. And when I see, say managing the strategic plan, it's first of all saying, hey, as a board of directors, we understand we've got to have a strategic plan. Absolutely got to have a strategic plan. This, this group that we were, were representing, that the collective of them is whatever, ABC engineers or architects, they've got to have a plan. And then our role in managing that is just making sure that's happening. The CEO has the resources because in most, or, most organizations, the CEO is the one executing, or at least making sure it's happening, right? So as the company grows, maybe the, the implementation and the execution of the strategic plan is delegated to somebody like a chief strategy officer, who we'll get to in just a moment. But just making sure the plan's working, and then also that, that the firm has adequate financial resources to fund the parts of the plan that need funding, you know, and that when they're looking at the strategic plan, they're saying, hey, is this in the best interest of the owners? I mean, you know, the, the strategic plan was developed. 
maybe the board has some input into that. It doesn't mean that the board is the one that develops the strategic plan. And some companies that we uh, work with, the board happens to be the ones that are in the room uh, when we get to the final phase of the strategic plan. But it's still very, very important that their role and then the C-suite role is, is understood as to who's doing what. And then ensuring the available, availability of adequate financial resources, which is, again, kind of tied to that previous uh, bullet there. And so really being very, very high level, right, versus making very uh, finite uh, business and operational decisions. So let's go to the C-suite. The, the C and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to run through the job descriptions. These are the ones that we provide firms when they say, hey, do you have a standard job description for CEO, COO? And I'm going to run through these, and um, I apologize. I thought the, the bolded terms would stand out more on this screen, but I'm not going to read through this, but I'm just going to highlight some things. The role of the CEO as, you know, the, the top position, obviously, in, in any organization, but, you know, creating and implementing, setting future strategy, directional leader, vision and providing overall direction, highest level of management, decision maker on strategy and other key policies, okay, and key final decisions. And, and I know we've got firms in here of a variety of sizes, and, and as the firm grows, the demands on the top role become more and more and more, right? And, and when you first, if you're the founder of the firm, what are you doing? You're doing everything. You know, you're, you're selling to clients, you're, you're designing projects, you're sending invoices, and as the firm grows, you build the business resources uh, to help your role evolve. Ideally, you get to this point. But what's interesting from our, our previous, uh, our most recent principals, partners, and owners survey, uh, principals which are essentially owners in the firm that are responding to this survey say they spend 40% of their time on management issues. And I do air quotes very intentionally because management issues are just a gigantic time suck, right? I mean, think about 40% of your week. Management issues? Okay, then there's others like project management that they can uh, register time to, marketing and business development. Um, but the, the other one that I want to highlight is only 11% of their time is spent on leadership and mentoring. That's a huge problem because leadership, the things that would fall under leadership are a lot of those bulleted items up there. And so we're very busy right now. And our people are really, really busy. So does us, you know, rolling up our sleeves and getting in and helping them, you know, and like providing bandwidth there, if that's what you're doing, really help them? Or does making bigger decisions, bringing in technology, uh, thinking about investments that can help them, is that a better use of your time? Right? And so we recognize that our role as CEO yeah, maybe one day we're acting like a CEO and the next day we're acting like a janitor. I mean, you know, that happens. But I think, again, it's not that those things are bad and that rolling up your sleeves and helping a team, if you have the ability to do that, is bad. But at least being intentional about what you're trying to do and where you're going as you're thinking about how to build a C-suite. And I'm, I'm just going to pick on this one point, uh, and I'm going to emphasize it later, and that is, there's a lot of celebration in this industry about having a flat structure. It's like, we've got a flat structure. It's like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, 
That means you don't have a lot of people at the C-suite or, you know, it's, what does that mean? Well, it may mean that you just don't have a very good business uh, support function and leadership team that, it, that the organization actually needs. Now, having a flat structure is good if it if being nimble and you're able to still provide the leadership the company needs and, and that, but, but most firms outgrow that having a flat structure is a good thing. And, but you've got to figure out when have we outgrown that or when are we going to outgrow that. So I, I created this little three things of you know, strategy, operations, and management is just kind of some of the words that were, were in that previous job description. And when the CEO is kind of the only C-suite position, and obviously for a lot of firms this would be smaller firms, you know, CEO is doing all of those things. As we are working with firms and as they grow, typically the next position is the COO position. And so you kind of take that and you orient it where the CEO is able to push some of those more operational and tactical duties down to a COO. But there's a lot of confusion, I think, in, in the industry or, or misunderstanding about the CEO. They think it's a very specific job description. But, but in fact, as you can see by this this next description here, um, and I'm just going to highlight this, this very top line here, the COO job tends to be defined in relation to the specific CEO, right? Especially when, when it's just two of them. And so he or she, have to, they've got to figure out how to work together well and, and, and how to support each other. A COO can then be kind of more of that tactical and operational. The CEO can stay strategic, Top manager, and I, and I emphasize manager, not top leader, top manager, and understanding the differences between uh, management and leadership. More tactical, that third bullet right there. Uh, analyze operations and evaluate performance. Maximize return on investments or to in increase productivity. So, so the COO position can be a very powerful uh, person to help the COO can be a very powerful person to help the CEO as the firm grows, really making sure that the things are working and the dials are turned just right. So now the next evolution of that we tend to see is CFOs. And, and in, is anybody in here a CFO? I, no hands right. Okay, I just don't want to offend anybody. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of firms that... that start considering this, they start getting resumes and they're like, oh man, this, this person's a CPA. We could have a CPA on staff. That, that, that's not your ideal chief financial officer. <laughs> not that having a CPA is bad, but, but you do want somebody in this position to be strategic, okay? And you got to understand the differences between accounting and financial management and financial leadership. And so again, it's one of those things where if the you know, the um, cantankerous uh, uh, director, or director of accounting has been around for 25 years, uh, now we make him CFO, right? Because, you know, keep that person happy. It's a problem. And that's why we really got to think about what, as we create these positions, what is the description? What's the expectations? And make sure that we hold people accountable to those things. So the CFO job description uh, and and the, one that, the ones that we provide are very detailed. These are just kind of the summary bullets that I wanted to pull out. But again, proposing strategic directions, you know, how do we fund operations, maximize investments, increase efficiency from a strategic level, okay, analyze operations and evaluate performance, maximize return on investments. So you're probably seeing a little bit of a theme here. 
Then now what we're seeing more in this industry is the CMO position. Now the CMO position, I would, even though I'm not talking about it in the context of emerging, it's, it kind of is an, an emerging role in this industry. Uh, I'm particularly passionate about this role because I held this role and that I also worked with a lot of firms in my previous life and I've worked with a lot of firms since then through Zwei Group where I'm, I'm kind of blown away by some of the people that hold these titles. And, and then also when I'm, I've actually helped firms build their marketing teams and then help them find a leader in marketing and I say, no, 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 you can't give this person this title. And what did they do? They hire them and give them the title anyway. Um, and, and so it, it's very important. And, and, and then the person lasts less than six months. So chief marketing officer, that, that position was created by uh, Coca-Cola back in the early 90s. So the position it hasn't really been around that long. And, and, you know, so AEC now is like, this is cool. This is a good position, you know. Uh, we believe in marketing because Y Group, they're the evangelist of marketing, and we're proudly uh, self-professed evangelists of marketing, uh, as you could tell from last night. It's, very, very, it's a very important investment. But I will say this, this is just one of those things that I really want to punch. You've really got to make sure that if somebody has this title, there's clear expectations, there's strategic intention, and they have the ability to do well in this, this, this role. Because if they, they can't do well, then they go off and they've got this title on their resume and it just sets them up for failure everywhere else because there is kind of a love affair in a lot of firms with this, this title now. It's like, chief marketing officer, you know, wow, this is really gonna give us an advantage, okay? But just a few things I wanna highlight out of this. You know, really they're uh, responsible for creating the org structure and I want to emphasize business development, client service promotion, staff technology, and resources. So the CMO has got to be able to navigate the C-suite. They've got to be able to have the respect of the other leaders, and they've got to have a seat at the table. This is where I see a real problem in a lot of firms, where if it's an over-glorified director of marketing, they don't get a seat at the table, right? And, and so, so then they've got this chief title, but yet they don't really get the respect of the other departments. They can't say, hey, we really need to spend this huge amount of money on this thing because it's going to transform the company and, or whatever it is. You know, especially if you're thinking about what do we do to really you know, transform the brand, turn us into a high-growth company. How do we create a communications team that causes us to just skyrocket to the top of the best firms to work for list? All of those things cost a lot of money. They're very long-term plays, and that is something that a really good chief marketing officer could do for you. But I will tell you, there's very few people out there in this industry that really can do that. So you've got to be really, really careful. And, and, and I want to just really punch this point right here. Sell the brand internally to the professional staff. That is huge. And I will tell you that, you know, last night, for those of you who were in the awards gala, so many of the firms that are walking across that stage are, and I, I, I know this because I, I, I know the firms that weren't walking across the stage, and there's a lot of those firms are really doing a better job of selling the brand internally and, and really, like, designing their culture. I mean, everybody thinks that culture just evolves. No, no, no. You can design culture. You can be very, very intentional about exactly what your culture is and can be versus just saying, well, it's just, it's just going to be the people who we've got. No, 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 it's not. 
you can change your people, actually, believe it or not. I've been a part of several of those transformations. Client buying preferences, you know, really at a kind of a higher level, and that's more of an academic level. Uh, but, but this right here, you know, developing new product service offerings, entering new vertical markets, new geographical areas. I mean, that's a job that is in pretty much every other marketing director's, chief marketing officer's job description in every other industry. Yet, again, how much do we give this group a, a seat at that table? Uh, return on marketing investment, okay? And then finally, the CAO. This, this is a, a, a position that some firms have. Uh, again, measure, uh, uh, manages numerous branches of the business, execution of the strategic plan, appointing department heads or managers. CAOs tend to be, you, you put them over all of the business units. So maybe you don't have a chief marketing officer or a chief financial officer. Maybe a CAO is over the directors of those different business functions. This is something that has a lot of different variability in firms. But, but getting to the, really, the emerging C-suite roles in AEC, here's just four that I've listed. Um, chief technical officer, I think we have all recognized the, important, the importance of investment in technology right now, especially those investments that can really help us on the workload and bandwidth side. Chief experience officer tends to be more oriented externally, like client experience, um, chief diversity officer and chief strategy officer. How many of you have any of these roles in your company? Chief strategy officer. Okay, chief strategy officer, right? Yep, of course. Okay, nobody else has any of these roles? Any, anybody interested in any, any of these roles? <laughs> well, like I said, they're, they're very emerging, so we only have one, and we don't have any chief strategy officers in here, correct? Okay, one right, right. Okay, great. So the CSO, so that's what I want to take a look at here, um, the chief strategy officer. The role of the chief strategy officer. So here's, uh, again, just in, in line with what we've already been talking about, uh, accelerating organizational performance and strategic planning and execution. I really want to just focus on that top bullet uh, because, again, you, you might say, well, wait a second, why would I need a chief strategy officer? If you're saying that my role as CEO is to always try to keep myself strategic, then why do, would this be a duplication? Absolutely not. This is something where... If I would say if your commitment to growth is, is significant enough, then this is, can be a, an incredibly powerful position because it allows a, a very significant and intentional focus on driving strategy implementation, which should be always linked to driving growth. I mean, every strategic plan should be growth-oriented. Uh, and I know there's some firms that like romanticize their size and they're like, oh, we don't ever want to grow too much because we'll lose our family culture. It's like, let me just tell you something. I've seen firms that have grown five times their size and their family culture is better than ever because growth provides resources and opportunities to enhance the best areas of your culture. And you don't have to lose that in a large firm. Now, maybe you lose it when you become 50,000 people, but I don't think... You know, we're, we're talking about that in here. So, so I think that, again, if you go back to the CEO job description and you think about being a directional leader and a visionary and, and being able to, you know, to really lead the company at the highest level, you do get to a point where if your strategy is so growth-oriented, this can be a powerful position in companies of, I, I wouldn't say almost any size, but, but 
you know, almost any size. I mean, if you're committed to it. Because you have somebody laser-focused on accelerating organizational performance, and they're just working through a different, uh, I, I would say, uh, through a different lens. Development of the strategic plan framework, making sure that the other groups in the company have their individual strategic plans and that those plans are in line with the overall plan. Those things are being executed. That can go all the way down to the uh, business development plan level. I held this position at one time, and, and, and I was making sure that every group that needed to have a plan had a plan. Those, th those plans were being documented, and they were being executed. Um, and, and that is a big job. I mean, it really is. It's a big job. It's a full-time job. Um, and so the return on this investment is huge if this person can accelerate organizational performance, which basically is translated in growth, okay? Uh, a key advisor to the chief executive officer, I, I would say, and I would say that was kind of what I felt was at least part of my role. Uh, and then in some cases, I've seen this, on the execution side, CSOs may sometimes lead specific growth initiatives like m and So before I get into this, I, 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 I do want to ask just what do you guys think were the common words and themes that stood out in all those descriptions? What, what connected them together? What word or theme? Growth. Growth, yep. Strategic. Strategic, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And I think those two are so intertwined. They've got to be able to drive growth, return on investment, and strategy, strategic. And, and really, I would say being strategic and and focused on strategy, that is, the, I mean, the byproducts are, are growth and return on investment. I, I pulled this out just because I, I, I thought it was interesting. It was just recently published, and, and there was an, uh, th this is all industry, so it's not just, not just AEC, but just a few things that they were saying that, that for chief strategy officers, they're saying the theme is kind of an all hands on deck as we're navigating coming out of covid uh, if you want to say that we're coming out of COVID. And, and then also, you know, a recession that, you know, you could say we're in or, or near. And really, the, there were 230 respondents to this. Um, and it said, you know, the dominant theme uh, for CSOs is to helping the firms remain agile, uh, you know, and, and, and really, uh, especially for that, again, that rapidly changing landscape around COVID recession, really making sure that the strategy is very nimble, you know, and there were three things they said, protect and nurture the core, the core of the business, um, and in incubate for the future, which is what can we be thinking about that we need to be building and incubating right now that, that may not be online for, for two or three years, and, and really becoming ambidextrous in both uh, growth within and beyond that core. So what, what new markets are we going to go into. And so that lines up very much with that job description, just making sure that CSOs are doing what they're supposed to do, right? And that, and, and that all of those things uh, that are dominant right now is, uh, is a part of that job description. The other part was just the convergence of technology and firm strategy. And, and there's, there's just a lot of talk about this right now, right? Around what can technology investments do for us to help us with this um, what does not seem like a solvable uh, issue in AEC, and that is a, a workload projection that continues to grow, infrastructure needs that grow, and 
the universities are not graduating any more necessarily of the people that we need to fill these positions. And, and I think I read recently that the, the um, I think ACEC, and correct me if I'm wrong if any of you have heard this stat, but I think they said that just uh, the, the, the program that is about to come online is going to create 80,000 engineering jobs uh, just for the infrastructure improvements that are supposedly about to uh, come online. And so, so how do we fill those jobs, especially with now when we're competing against Apple and Google and, and other, uh, other employers that are looking for tech and, and really just anybody that's wired like an engineer. Doing well while doing good, this is a big one. You know, we talked a lot about this uh, in, at various times in this conference. It, it is it really at the heart of Zwei Group's mission statement. We say we are here to drive purpose and performance uh, for organizations. That purpose side is so critical right now. And, um, and, and I think you go back 10 years and CEOs would look at this as too fuzzy and and just like, oh, purpose, you know, we just need to do good work, right, and get rehired. But purpose is important, and it's really important to the current generation. And, and we even see in firms in this business that have a very strong um, and very obvious purpose that's, that's bigger than themselves of just doing the work, like making the world a better place, flying across the world to, to uh, you know, to support earthquake areas and making sure that, that they are uh, structural engineers that go there, and, and, and that's their whole purpose. They, they are way more competitive when it comes to compensation. They don't have to pay their people as much because people want to work there. So they're not competing as much on the dollar. And so I do think that, that CSOs, it's an opportunity for them to make sure that they're driving, shaping that, that purpose. And, you know, you, the, you say the words vision and mission, and purpose in this industry, and you, you say that in the halls of an AEC firm, and you know, just how many eye rolls do you get? It's like, all oh, right, our vision, our mission, it's like stenciled on the wall, it's on the website, nobody knows what it is, doesn't mean anything, it's full of a bunch of buzzwords that we came up with five years ago. And, but the reality is, and that's why a part of our strategic planning projects with every client, unless they, are lazy, they, they have got that set dialed in, and we're like, this is amazing, most of the first strategic planning uh, exercises are getting that dialed in. Like, okay, what is the real mission of this organization? And like dropping all these buzzwords out of it and saying, why do you exist? And, and really coming up with something that's very compelling that you can actually get people to rally around. But I can, I, and I will tell you this, because I'm now an engineer wired uh, with kind of a marketing slant, I can tell you, I go to a lot of the websites of firms in this industry and everybody is saying the same thing, okay? All right, how many of your marketing teams are sending out proposals that say we are pleased to submit our proposal? Does anybody wanna raise their hand on that? We can have a confessional right here, okay? You, can, you don't have to ever do that again, but right, it's, it's one of those things where what are the things that we just hold on to and we're like, well, why do we say, why are we all saying the same thing? You know, you got to figure that out. And so I think chief strategy officers are real because their focus is how can we really differentiate ourselves? How can we stay, you know, what creates long-term value? They're, they're focused on this stuff and they're saying, okay, purpose is important. So let's get to it, right? And then the last part of this study that, you know, I thought just might be interesting because it is hot off the press. They're saying the CSOs 
are saying that, that going forward, they're focused most on new offerings, right? Expanding the business through new, bits, new services they can sell, cross-selling their existing services, driving awareness, driving repeat clients, and then uh, monetize underutilized uh, assets. So I already asked this question, and we've got, got one CSO in the room, so I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would ask you, how does your job differ from the typical job description that we've talked about? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Like, like you said, Chad, our focus is on mostly inorganic growth. Mm-hmm. Where the COO is more responsible for the organic growth of the company, mm-hmm. the, the CSO is more responsible for the inorganic growth of the company and creating new opportunities for the business to grow, new service lines, new partners that are fully aligned with us, and getting into this. So I find that the, the M&A function is the lost part of the CSO's role. How much of your job is spent in the M&A side? Uh, how much of your time is spent on the M&A side? But you queue up a lot of acquisitions too, right? Everything from vetting the potential target to going through a negotiated LOI, through a due diligence, through closing documents, mm-hmm. uh, and through closing, and also post-close. There are a lot of covenants and responsibilities post-close that we've got to make sure that we meet our obligations. Right. So it's a, it's a full life cycle. <clears throat> And when did you take that role? It was recent, right? Yeah, when I first started, I was kind of a bit of a cheap cook and bottle washer mm-hmm. uh, because it was me and Palmy's Capital that, that launched this platform. And then as the, the company grew, we knew we had to go out to C-suite and get real competent leadership. Dave came on board. Brian came on very early in the process. And uh, my role, you know, really transitioned from being involved in every aspect of the company just laser focused on the inorganic growth of the company. And now we're now we're in a position where we also want to kind of develop the next evolution of our strategic plan. So we have a, a roadmap to where we're at and where we want to go and how do we get there. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're going to talk to you about as well. All right. So our number one hot firm as a chief strategy officer. And it's a it's and and what did we say? It's if you're really focused on growth can be a very, very powerful position. So I want to just recap a couple of things I want to be aware of, and then I want to really open it up and kind of have a little bit more of a roundtable and talk about kind of where you are, what you're thinking about. Is it chief strategy officer? Is any of these other positions piqued your interest? But do not confer a chief officer title to anyone who's not strategic. Okay, So and I, I've, I've probably punched this enough, but I, I, I think it's so important because it's – we, we work in a very nice industry. We want to take care of our people who have been with us for a long time. We want them to feel good. We want them to feel like they have a path. But I also think we can't set somebody up for failure. And when you put somebody in a position that they're not equipped for, even just by title, it really ties your hands for the future. You know, and, and, and again, we, we, we do this. And, and, you know, we don't go to school to learn about what these roles should actually do. You know, and sometimes we... We have to find what, what is a template chief marketing officer title and, and how is this person really set up for this. And, and to add to that, providing a director of title to these, to these critical business areas, it does. It provides you future opportunities or options while acknowledging leadership. And I think you can get creative if you need to 
with somebody who's doing a really good job in your firm. They're growing, but, but they may not be at this level, a C-suite level, that you find other ways to reward them through title or through other things. But I think, again, it's one of those things where if we're growing, we've got to recognize that even though this person may almost be there here today, if we don't think they've got the ability to get where they need to be tomorrow, we've really tied our hands if we go ahead and give them that title. Um, and then, then you have to ask them to go find another job, and that's really hard. Uh, celebrating this flat structure is not always a good thing. Again, I just want to say that, that we must invest in the business in this industry. And we can't keep calling overhead overhead, right? And, and, and saying that everything's a necessary evil. It's like, well, all right, well, I guess we'll hire another proposal person or I guess we'll hire another you know, generalist in our HR area. Dang it, it's going to cut our bonuses this year. We're not going to have as much profit because they're unbillable. You know, that stinks. You know, you got to really think about that, that investing in, and, and for those of you who've been in our principals academies, you know, our research pretty much through the years has said the three areas to invest in that drive the greatest growth is HR, marketing, and IT. All of those are what we call overhead. But that comes from 30 years of research. And, and that is the faster growing firms are investing in the business. And, and you saw that yesterday in my opening talk about best firms to work for. They're, they're more profitable. They're growing faster. And they had all of those stats were, were better than average performing firms. But a lot of them are spending more. They're spending more on marketing. They're spending more on all of those employee programs that cost money that you're, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to tie that directly to, okay, well, if we spend $60,000 on this, you know, what is the return on that investment? It's not as clear as, well, we know if we tell everybody just to stay billable, we know the return on that investment, right? Uh, and so you really have to think about how can you be a visionary on running your business and, and really set yourself apart, especially nowadays. We were talking out there yesterday. It's like, what is it that, that is the, the thing that just really sets you apart? You know, the one thing that you do better, uh, that, that peak part of your organization. And so I think it's really important. A flat structure is fine if, if that's the needs of your company are able to be fulfilled by that. Um, I would say, if you're saying we have a flat structure in the context of we're very nimble, we can make decisions fast, fantastic. So I figured that would be, it'd be good to kind of go to a more of a roundtable concept here, and I wanted to ask the audience. We only have one CSO in here. How many of you are, are interested in the CSO? I, I've seen some organizations, actually it's a, it's a way for a CEO to transition and like into their next role as maybe, you know, a role where they can focus on growth, but put somebody else in the CEO position that is ready for it and the organization's needing that and, and we, we expand our C-suite. It's not that the CEO always has to hire a CSO. It may be like, hey, I want that job. And it, this is a way that we can transition and ensure a future for the company. So, I mean, that's what ISG's done, right? Yeah, and it's worked out very well, wouldn't you say?
Mm-hmm. And if you wouldn't mind, talk a little bit about that transition. How, what was that like, and, and was it easy? Was it not easy? <laughs> so that's uh, context. Our current chief strategy officer, that my mentor, another CEO. So the transition in that role, further, the good and the bad. It's the um, in the traditional context, we transitioned that role. Said, hey, the, what I like for my 50th birthday is not to be CEO anymore. To other groups of leaders, so it's, there wasn't a pending retirement or something like that. So providing a little context, um, the challenges are the new CEO wants to leave their mark, implement their vision. And there's a respect for if you're making a change, you want to make sure you're honoring the person that they that seat, but yet you see things that need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so leveraging the skills and talents of that person in that role, which creates a, um, there was a, an example earlier this week where somebody talked about the, I can't remember which session it was, where you had two people that were, I think it was Pete's, talked about the fantastic person in the organization, both vying for promotion and wanted to leave. So we find ways for both to, mm-hmm. to thrive. So that was a challenge um, for me personally, the chief strategy officer. However, the alignment we have and the way we debate and make better decisions is a fantastic benefit where we will debate things as a, as a team, including other members of our leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, and felt like that was actually one of the changes we needed to make of if it was two of us prior to that transition that were primarily responsible for leading the firm. Now we have a group, a larger group where we probably engage more opinions and have an environment to debate that, find the truth, make a better quality decision, and go forward. Mm -hmm. Ted, as you mentioned, the CSO role is also a key advisor to the CEO. And it's got to be someone that's been in the industry a long time, that knows the industry inside and out. Not necessarily an operational person anymore, it's got an intuitive sense of what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, because all it takes is one or two bad acquisitions to bring a company down. So you need somebody that really understands the business, that can vet out the potential targets, and also advise the CEO uh, on the direction and the proper deals to make. So it takes a person with an intuitive sense of the industry and a lot of experience. I'm really glad you said that because one thing I want to say really just about the C-suite in general, because I've seen this in in other firms, you know, they're looking for a chief marketing officer. They've decided they want to go to that level and they they consider outside of the industry candidates because frankly, we don't have a lot of candidates inside the industry. I think it's a huge risk. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but this industry, especially at that level, it is hard for somebody to come in outside of the industry and be successful. And I, again, not because that can be controversial because some people, yes, could come in from outside the industry and they bring great new ideas that, that we don't have in AEC. But, but I do think it's important to understand the business, especially in the C-suite level. Because this is a unique industry, yeah. CEO, a lot of times in our advisory work, see org charts in which there is a CFO, but they report to an architectural principal. Mm-hmm. And that up to you know, the, the, the managing partner which is a little bit of a red flag, right? Again, how strategic and how much of an advisor is that person when they're buried in the orchard? Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? I just want to comment on your whether when you outgrow those kind of things, but one of the things that I think is really important, you know, I'm relatively new to this uh, the company, but I spent almost 
almost 20 years in an organization that grew from 300 million to 5 billion. And kind of went through all those transitions. And I think the most important thing is if you're going to have an organization that's not flat, then you have to have a delegation of authority process that allows people lower levels in the organization to make decisions and empowers the organization. Because if you maintain a flat organization's DOA and you have 25 signatures on every decision that has to be made, you will slow your organization to grind and halt. And you'll never get anything done. I think that's more than about the work structure. It's about the processes that you have for allowing policies. Right on. Excellent point. So who in here thinks, hey, I might want to be a chief strategy officer at some point, or I might need one in my company? Yeah? In our organization, we have also the COO. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a step to separate that. Right. Where would you put technology? As far as what? Yeah, I, I listed, you know, chief, chief technical officer. I, I would say that's that's a high priority for a company, and that, I call that it one of the emerging roles there. Uh, CIO is another one, you know, chief information officer. What what did Garver do with with Matt? I think it was CIO. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what his role was and how that evolved and and how that's changed things? Because I know it is definitely at least as far as your level of investment in technology now is very, very high, so there's a lot of trust there. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting you're talking about somebody that was formerly a director of IT who who just kept coming up with strategy and saying, why aren't we doing this? Why, why we, we are not new cybersecurity and uh, basic for himself by, mm -hmm. by making himself indispensable? Yeah. So does he now have a director of IT or... or but it has a whole team that works for him, right? He's just got a team and, and brought nearly all of it in-house. Mm-hmm. Created a vision. Super important. Right. Yeah. So what what questions do you have? What 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 are you facing right now? What about this interests you? Yes, Amy. I have a Amy. question about the CFO role. Yes. Existing director of accounting and the need for CFO and, you know, experience bringing in the CFO to that person. And then also comments on a CFO with your thoughts on this. Well, I, I just think that, again, at that level, when you bring somebody in, having a, an understanding of the industry is, is just is so important. The CFO rolls a little bit less, I'm a little bit less familiar with that. And I'd love to hear from somebody in here who's hired us. Has anybody in here hired a CFO from the outside? Okay. How did it? Everyone on my C-suite outside of the industry. Yeah. And how's it worked? Yeah. We have ideas in the awesome. Because we're in a box. Yeah. And so I've hired everyone. They've just kind of blown my mind of what we can do. That's great. So, I mean, my CMO, I mean, she took maybe a, maybe a month to figure out the industry and changed us. Was that intentional? Yeah. To do all outside? Yes. Yeah. And, and has it, you feel like it's driven growth and it's got a Absolutely. good? That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It definitely can work. I mean, we from our executive search statistics I went all the way back we were working with a firm and and uh, they were looking for a new CEO and considering somebody from the outside and Mark Zweig said well we've done like seven of these and there was seven from the outside and only one actually worked but the one that worked worked amazingly came in and just transformed an architectural firm and and it was because they were able to come in and and learn it quick 
they were just the right person for the job. So I definitely don't want you to be limited. But especially in some of these positions like CMO, like I said, there's not many of them in the industry. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. That's what this is. It's a round table. One title you left off there, which is inconsistent with the overall theme of this conference, mm -hmm. which is finding key to this industry. Mm -hmm. We have a, a chief HR officer as well, because we understand we've got to get compensation right, we've got to get recruitment right, we've got to get retention, get numbers, you know, strong. So we also have a chief HR officer, which was not on your list of, of roles, which is, is, is key in our industry, because our only and probably our most important asset is that people. I would also call that an emerging role and very rare, very hard to find. Uh, I think you guys called it chief people officer. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of what, when I was in my chief marketing officer role, was really a lot of that was that stuff about building the company to be able to recruit. I mean, it was a lot, a lot of that messaging and building of culture and 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 communications and I think if you can find somebody in HR that has that ability to be strategic and think that way but but it's hard I mean in this business a lot of the HR people are very compliance oriented and they're wired out a completely different way so if you can find somebody that can really drive recruiting and retention strategy CHRO or chief people officer or whatever I absolutely do believe that's a very critical position but even harder to find, honestly, I would say. I think organizations all we have, and I, I just would say chief marketing officer has to understand the markets, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times people think marketing, it is part of it, but it's it, mark, knowing markets and growth rates, risk and margin, bank sites, and social media issues, two very, very different things. I, I, I totally agree, and, but, and that, but that really hits the point of how we train marketing people in this industry, we don't include them in that part of the business. They're cut out of it. And so they, they'll never develop that. I mean, unless we let them in the room. And they, and, and because what you just said is like the core of a director of marketing's job description in every other industry. I mean, it, but, but in our industry, it's like, no, no, just stay up there in the ivory tower and churn proposals out that say, we are pleased to submit our proposal. Just if you can churn more of those out, just keep going. Uh, you know, just keep churning. That's your that's your job, and and that's that's a problem in this industry because we don't connect them to like what's the strategy? Where should we be going? Right? Great comments. Other questions? Yeah. Mm, good question. But you have a CMO level advisor that you call and have the same with HR marketing. Yeah, I'm just curious. If you're good. Yeah. And it works well. Good experience. How, how much do they work? I mean, eight hours a week. Eight hours a week. Okay. He's a fractional marketing director, the CEO role, the director role. It's been great, and it and it helped everyone separate me from the role, which yeah. was a real challenge. And they kind of created a clear path for the new marketing director of marketing's growth strategy. Good. Awesome. Other questions? Bridges internal people officer to um, CMO a little bit and a little bit of uh, M&A. Mm -hmm. uh, and as we've grown, that's too much for one person. Mm -hmm. so it's not a fractional role. It's, it's actually a role within a person.
person. Right. And, and so I'm just, I'm processing how does the disease make kind of split that? Yeah. And I guess my question is how, how do I piece through something about the strengths of the individual and where the gaps are to fill? Right, and, and, and then just going over with him or her, like, okay, well, he, here are what these different roles are. I mean, you're wearing all these hats. Let's define the hats and what they are. Let's look at these these job descriptions or some others and say, where where's your interest? Where's your highest and best use? How can we get you there? And and by the way, can you let go of these other two things, <laughs> which may be the real challenge. Okay, well, we're, we are right on time. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.